0: Hello, and welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hansen O'Neill. I am your host. And our quote today is by Louisa May Alcott be worthy love and love will come. We have a wonderful guest for you. Brian guides us and inspires leaders and their organizations to demonstrate love, understanding and appreciation for their customers as a clear path to deeper loyalties, greater market share and way more fun for everyone. Doesn't that sound amazing? I think I should probably introduce him by his full name, Brian Rutberg, welcome.
1: Good morning or good day. It's great to see you. Thanks, Heather.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. It's nice to have you here today. Now, there's so many things that I want to ask you about because I just love your bio. You know, isn't this what it's all about? This is what it's all about. Now, you have a new ebook um, called Love and Profit, 10 Ways to Transform Customers into Lustomers. So I need to ask you to help our listeners here understand what a lustomer is.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and I've been comfortable for a long time talking about love in the workplace and love as a path to closer customer relations. Lust has a couple of values to it. One, it rhymes with cuss, so customer does <laughs> transform into lust nicely. But the idea that a customer will actively choose to do business with you and will do the things that demonstrate love it's one thing to keep buying from the same party. It's it's nice to have retention among your customer base. It's great to have, you know, repeat business and increased sales to a particular account or individual. But where this lust concept comes in, where the concept of really showing having your customers show love to you in exchange for the love you show them. It's when you start seeing things like referrals or people willing to give you advice and stick with you, even through a rocky patch, Mm -hmm. stand up for you on social media, help become part of your marketing and communications efforts. So lustomer is a cute play on words and it is, you know, it's trademarkable in a way that love is not, right? but it, it starts to get at the heart of how do you establish the difference between what makes for a good customer lifetime value equation, and what goes to the next couple of levels.
0: You know, I really like that, in particular, during what's uh, going on in our world right now, that ability to have done for our customers, the things that get them to stick with us during difficult (laughs) times is a key point, I would think.
1: When a customer recognizes, and most of my life is spent in the world of business to business, but there's clear analogies in the business to consumer world. When someone begins to recognize that the service your organization is providing is helping them achieve their mission Then you start to increase the stickiness of a relationship. You start Mm -hmm. to increase the bonds because they appreciate the degree to which they couldn't do what they do and achieve the results they achieve were it not for you. And that can be anything from the cleaning crew that comes in after hours and makes sure that the place is ready for business the next day to the folks who provide the absolutely essential part for the piece of equipment or the technology that you're building. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the key when they start to love you because they know they couldn't be as good without you.
0: Mm, I love that. That is a really, really important point. And I'm just curious how it translates. Does it? We've been talking about customer L- as far as a customer, but does that concept translate to maybe some other business relationships, like your employees or your partners or anything like that?
1: Yeah, very insightful. It, it absolutely. Whomever you call a customer in a given transaction or moment. Counts here. I've worked with organizations to help them establish stronger customer relate, excuse me, stronger employee relationships mm-hmm. because there is a proven correlation and causation between employee satisfaction and then customer satisfaction. Mm-hmm. But I've also worked with C-suites to make sure that they have better relationships with their boards or their parent companies or their partner community who's out there doing resales or uh, working on referrals. Yeah. So yeah, anybody whom you choose to call a customer at any given moment, you can build a stronger relationship with and make them want to do business with you. Excuse me, you can't make anybody do anything. <laughs> you can guide them down a path yeah. where... It's in everybody's best interest to keep doing things. They're great together.
0: Yes, I love that. That's wonderful. So we're talking to a lot of leaders right now. So how can leaders inspire or or drive results? Um, maybe as it relates to communication or some something else that that speaks to you.
1: Well, I would break it into three parts of communication is one of them. Mm
0: -hmm. If you're
1: a leader serious about building stronger relationships, and let's take for a moment that slice of customers who actually literally are your customers, you've got a few levers that you can move and they operate with and independently of one another. Communication is absolutely one of them. How do you put everything into Mm audience-focused and benefit-led language? How do you inspire people to want to experience change and growth with you as opposed to being forced to experience change with you? And how do you stay in front of your audience, consistently reminding them in multiple ways with multiple modalities, we're in this together and here's the way I provide value to you. From communications, you need to think about the creative programs that you run for your customers. Everything from the purely internal, should we have a customer advisory council? Should we do more focus groups to the very broad range things? is my business the right kind of business to have a customer loyalty program? Do we want to have an executive sponsor program where we're matching our company's leaders to our customer leaders and making sure that we're creating relationships that are outside of the transactional realm Mm -hmm. and following communications and programs, you get to the culture that you grow internally. Are you always asking, what do our customers think about this? Have we made this decision with input from the key audiences that are going to be affected? Or are we just imposing something on an audience? So those are the things that I look at as the hallmarks when I'm called in to work with someone on an assessment. uh, A not uncommon environment is the mid-stage company that's experienced a lot of growth from new business Mm -hmm. that suddenly realizes, we have a lot of customers now. We kind of need to treat that as this unique distillation
0: mm-hmm. that
1: needs some special attention. Mm-hmm. Those are the three things I start by helping p- folks look at.
0: Gotcha. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I'm just thinking, I'm going to digress for a moment because I'm thinking about love and these lustumers and, Um, differentiation and better communication. And I'm just wondering if I could ask you your thoughts on how all of this relates to the humanity, the human to human connection that seems to have gone missing from some organizations and how now we're realizing that that's more important than ever
1: please listen carefully because many of our options have changed, right? I mean, we've all heard that so many times we want to throw the the phone through a brick wall. Mm -hmm. I don't love the trend away from the personal touch. Mm -hmm. I understand that efficiency and profit motive and all of that have their place. When it comes to the kind of sales, onboarding, and ongoing relationship management that I've got the privilege of working with clients on. It it You're past some of that day-to-day stuff and you're into truly building the focus of building the human relationship. And the point you make is exactly the right one. There are absolutely good business reasons why we want to build those relationships, Mm -hmm. right? If you've got the the steam release valve for when things go sideways, you've got the opportunity to fall back on a human relationship to explain, apologize if necessary, problem solve, find solutions, get things back on track. But it's got to start from somewhere and that human desire to offer to offer service first and worry about results later. I, I was just reading about the memo that was sent some 45 years ago around the time Nike began and out of 10 you know, crisp no more than one and a half line items. item number 10 was, let's do this because it's fun or the right thing to do and if we if we do this right, profits will follow. Right. It was intended to point out if you do the right thing, if we care about what we're up to, profits will be a natural outcome. But let's seek, as someone put it in the comments on the piece, let's seek to serve a million customers before we worry about making a million dollars.
0: Oh, I love that. Yes.
1: And that interconnectedness of all of us, the 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 Buddhists point out that that we are all interconnected. You know, from the time of the Big Bang to now, there's not one additional molecule in the universe. So every little atom in you or in me has been part of something else at some time, possibly recently, drop of water falls hits your arm a little bit ends up inside of your system you sweat it out later it becomes part of a rain cloud it goes into there we're all connected in real biological ways but we all have many of the same or and we all have many of the same ideals and thought processes as well mm. I haven't met anybody who doesn't suffer from imposter syndrome. I don't know anybody who's not afraid that the next move they make might be the one that makes everything unravel. Mm -hmm. I don't know folks who aren't committed to their customer outcomes so that when we as providers of goods or services help people achieve their objectives in a selfless way and show that love. It, it all comes back around. Those oh. are the kinds of organizations I want to work with, the ones that aspire to living those values.
0: Love yeah. it. Perfection. That's wonderful. So in alignment. Uh, let's talk about storytelling, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. I know that you you understand the power of storytelling. You give tips for people on it. So how can people use storytelling to their advantage?
1: Some of my friends who focus exclusively on storytelling in the world of public speaking and consulting would remind us that stories light up multiple parts of the brain when we hear them, whereas facts and figures are much less persuasive. Ultimately, we know that people seek, seek data in order to validate their emotional feelings. Mm-hmm. So stories get us there. Uh, for a few years now, I've worked consistently at least once a year with a small, excuse me, a medium-sized software company. Once a year, they put on a customer event where their product managers and product marketers fill in their customer base and their prospect base on where the technology is going and what they're going to be able to enable. And inevitably, as good as these people are, as much as they care about the success that their customers can achieve using their technology, they start from where they live their lives, 300 plus days a year, with We've added this new feature. We've got this new capability. We wrote this special code that makes it I don't, more secure or faster or quicker to light up the screen. And our work together focuses on tell stories. Don't just tell your stories as the software developers. Tell your clients or customers stories. And even better than that, given that this is a company that provides software to the nonprofit world, don't just tell the story of the organization fighting cancer or the organization saving stray dogs and cats or the organization that is putting on the ballet in your town, tell the stories of their clientele. Yes. Yes. And this is where the heart comes in and this is indeed where love comes. And the, ne- the best thing, even better than telling great stories is getting your customers who love you to tell those stories on your behalf. Uh, One of the engagements that I had the, the pleasure of working on a few years back, a big technology company brought in a few folks like me who do presentation coaching and help craft narratives and asked us to work with their customers and their partners As they prepared to go on stage with executives from the company that was financing the engagement, Mm -hmm. they said, our customers are going to come up and say nice things about them. We'd like them to be prepared and know what they're going to say and have it come across in a beautiful way. Getting your customers to speak on your behalf. I can believe you or not if you tell me you're awesome. But the first time that three or four people you've worked with tell me you're awesome. Now you're in my head.
0: Yes, oh, this is powerful stuff. I like that. And you I'm even, so glad you think so. <laughs> you refer to the differences between insight and in- information. Is that related to?
1: Yes, and it's it, it's a lot of I mean, it, it's related in that the more quickly you're able to take multiple streams of information and turn them into clear insight that is unique and eye-opening and actionable the faster you can be responsive to your customer base when you're hearing things from them. Mm. The genesis of that insight from information conversation was an executive in, a again, a technology firm that found she was spending more time than she wanted to and her direct reports are spending more time than she wanted them to taking information coming from the ground floor marketers sellers but you know direct uh frontline uh, customer engagement folks turning their reports on what was happening in the field into the kind of information that could be used for great strategic business decision making mm. And so helping folks in one of our workshops learn what to look for, how to gather as much information as possible, how to weed through it, not mind the ambiguity, even embrace it, do more research, and then formulate their reporting so that it read as insight rather than just, here's a bunch of facts, make of it what you will. Once you've got great insight coming and you allow your leaders to make better decisions based on the information that's coming straight from the ground floor and to validate it, of course, with things like customer advisory councils or executive connections, Mm -hmm. now you've got that cultural engine running, Mm -hmm. hitting on all cylinders so that ah, I can make decisions that are good for my customer base and therefore good for me.
0: You know, you said the word a couple of sentences back and I'm, I am jumping on it because I'm an action oriented gal. Um, So you talked about action, right? And so I, I think it's really super important to help create some clarity around Action: How people can take action, whether it's internally or how our customers can take action. Can you speak to any of that? Do you have any tips for people that want to take action that are listening right now? They're two separate things.
1: Yeah. Well, there's there's the, <laughs> the, the, there's the how to how to use your language and your persuasive abilities to drive folks to action. Mm-hmm. The value of taking action. Inaction is expensive, right? The, mm-hmm. the status and unless it is conscious, mindful inaction. This is working. What's my action? Keep an eye on it. So the action can be as simple as, let's watch this and see how it develops. Mm-hmm. But the moment that you see something, and this comes down to measurement tools as well, the minute you see something start to go out of true, or the moment that you begin, well, out of true, it, implies it's going unfavorably or the minute you start to see, wow, whatever they're doing in the Midwest region is really working to move this particular product line. Now you've got, if you've got good information coming to you as insight, now you've got, a cause for action or a cause to at least start planning and waiting to see how things evolve. Mm -hmm. If you're not as a leader taking action on a regular basis, making some change in order to achieve some outcome that you desire because it's good for you and the folks you serve. I don't know what you're doing in leadership. Mm -hmm. Have you, when you do your work, do you see folks sitting on the opportunity to act For too long. I know that's common for me. It
0: it is very much so. And that's why, you know, part of what I do uh, has to do with really helping people understand the importance of of acting and inspiring action in others. Because, you know, we get caught in this stuck complacency that we need to um, motivate. We need to generate energy through action.
1: And this is where that, the phrase used earlier, you know, audience-focused, benefit-led communication mm-hmm. is what leaders can use. And this is leaders of frontline teams or leaders in the C-suite can use to drive an audience towards not just acting, but desiring to act. And which one is going to inspire more success? Which one is going to get folks to stick with something through the inevitable hiccups? It's not, I'm changing because they told me to. It's, I'm changing because I understand what the North Star looks like. I understand what we're aiming for. And being able to inspire a group of folks, whether it's at your corporate all hands or whether it's at a customer event, that if we do this, this outcome will follow. Or if you're using a little more fear than hope, you're talking about the company. this outcome won't happen. We can prevent something from happening if we take action. Mm -hmm. Now you've got the bias for action coming through your words. and, And you've got the fine tuning of a business that leads to sustained growth over time.
0: Yes, 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 yes. So Brian... The name of this show being From Fear to Fire. I do typically ask my guests if they have experienced a challenge or a fear or something that they had to overcome and the lesson that they learned from it.
1: I've listened to you know, some <laughs> number of the. Of, uh, podcasts and wanted to be prepared for this and honestly the first thing that came to mind is the thing that through a whole lot of deliberation has has stayed there at the time when i was having one of the best experiences of my 20 year corporate existence running microsoft's executive briefing center and showing the love on behalf of microsoft to top execs from top customers and top partners of the company I was also going through a a difficult patch with one of our kids who, classic presentation of, of adolescent obsessive compulsive disorder, all of the stereotypical things that one thinks of when you hear OCD, that thanks to some really hard work on her part, she was able to beat, and essentially it stripped away the OCD layer to reveal a pretty significant anxiety layer. Mm -hmm. And my wife and I, along with the, you know, our our oldest went through some therapy together, dialectical behavioral therapy. It's a branch of cognitive behavioral Mm -hmm. therapy. And it began a journey for me that had an uncertain outcome from the start. Happy to say that the growing of the adolescent brain into an adult brain and the the therapy really paid off and our daughter is now uh, an oncology nurse helping other people save other lives
0: oh awesome
1: but the the experience of simultaneously working to build relationships at a what i had thought was a purely business level and its overlap with this recognition that mindful approaches Two relationships can bring out unexpected and very desirable outcomes. Mm -hmm. This was the challenge of working with having a child where you don't know what the outcome is going to be. And I can't imagine anything much scarier as a parent. Mm -hmm. And that for the last, what, 13, 14 years has been the merging of my professional and personal lives into this very satisfying opportunity to preach about love. And then turn it into profit. And now we're back at the ebook, right? Uh,
0: See how things work. See how things work. It's (laughs) awesome. I like to
1: say, I mean, you've probably also seen in some of my training, I'm a hippie Mm -hmm. with an MBA. (laughs) And, you know, the the peace, love, beads and tie-dye guy is also the profit motive guy. And I, it's funny how in my later years, I've figured out how well those two things can go together. If that's the kind of business you want to run. And I don't know why anybody would want to run a different kind of business.
0: Oh, oh my gosh. That is the perfect summation. Uh, It's, I believe strongly that it's all tied together. And so you've made that quite clear with your stories and your examples and your tips and I appreciate that. And of course the time has flown by. So I'd love to take a moment for you to share with our listeners if there's anything in particular that you'd like to know them to know about how to reach you, how to find your book or anything like that. Thank
1: you. Yeah, I go go to the website for 3C communications. That's the number three in the letter C, followed by comms, C O M M S dot com. You can learn a little more about me and the work that I do. You will find a link to download the ebook, Love and Profit 10 Ways to Transform Customers into Lustomers, including tips that are specific to and which overlap among the communications cultural change and, and the programs you can run. You may also find if your are real concern is communications specifically check the show notes. Uh, Heather will have a link on a self assessment that you can do around your presentation and message crafting skills mm. that might reveal a couple of areas for growth and tell you where you're awesome and great. And a lot of folks find that by knowing where they've got room to grow and knowing what strengths they can build on, they can make themselves into even more effective business communicators.
0: Oh, That's fantastic. I always like to give something to our listeners that they can use and assessments are fabulous that way. That one sounds fantastic. So it's time for the final parting words of wisdom. What do you have for us today, Brian?
1: You know, for many years, the the phrase that has always come to mind when moments like this happen is the one that reminds you you don't always need to say something communications is absolutely critical corporate communications crisis communications sometimes you just got to say something but if we take the perspective that listening first is what often gets us where we want to go the the spanish have a great phrase en la boca cerrada no entran moscas flies don't go into a closed mouth. So before you start working on all of your great communications skills, Mm -hmm. make sure you know what the other party needs to hear. And that's how you get to your audience focused, Mm -hmm. benefit led approach to communicating. It starts with the other side of communications. Be quiet and listen.
0: Mmm. Mm-hmm. oh boy <laughs> I, right? I, I'm tempted to just bite my tongue right now but I have got to close, close the show out Brian so <laughs> thank you so much for your time and your wisdom today listeners if you love the show please leave us a review please share it with a friend uh, we appreciate you out there and love hearing these reviews that you have of our shows thank you so much for those and thank you Brian once again Have a Heather wonderful- what a
1: pleasure thank you, thank you.